This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Khan, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guests are Lonnie Halliday and Jared Howard. Both are chefs participating in the Black Entrepreneur Series at Maison Yaki in Brooklyn, New York. Hear what they are cooking, why this pop-up matters, and how allyship, reparations, and top-secret employment with the federal government all play into this incredible conversation. This summer, we're running a new episode every Friday. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss them. Stay tuned now for Lonnie and Jared. Lani, you just finished up your uh, residency at the Maison Yaki Black Entrepreneur Series. Jared, you're just starting yours. Can you guys give me some background on what that is, how you found out about it, and why you wanted to do it? Yes, I am currently in the middle of the mayhem that is Honey Bunny posted, uh, hosted by Maison Yaki, and it's, it's been a fun ride. Um, how did I hear about this amazing opportunity? Um, I was actually uh, moonlighting as a chef's apprentice in Harlem uh, for Chef uh, Joseph J.J. Johnson. And uh, that was about three or four years ago. We became friends. He's been a mentor of mine in the restaurant industry. And he was the first person to make me aware of Greg's post on Instagram discussing this amazing opportunity. I read the post that he put out there, and I asked J.J. to reach out to Greg on my behalf. And uh, telling him that I was interested in taking advantage of this wonderful opportunity uh, that um, he was offering. And Greg called me back maybe within 24 hours and said that he wanted to meet. Um, We met at Olmstead. He gave me a wonderful tour of Olmstead and Mason Yaki. He gave me a sampling of the food that um, he provides. And uh, we instantly clicked. And uh, I began to talk to him about the concept of Honey Bunny, which is um, kind of uh, a new take on Southern mid-Atlantic cuisine. And um, after that, he offered me the opportunity to do uh, participate in this wonderful uh, pop-up experience. Um, we definitely vibed on the social media side of things, as well as the whole environment that we're, 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 we're engaged in right now with the Black Lives Matters movement, uh, with uh, social awareness and consciousness, um, of the movement uh, being at an all-time high. We felt that this was the proper time uh, to move forward with the concepts. So um, that, that's how I found out about this wonderful opportunity. I'm going to let Lonnie take over now and uh, explain how she heard about this. I just want to provide a little bit of context. This all came up uh, after the murder of, of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Um, a lot of people were posting you know, things about Black Lives Matters and how to become, a you know, an, an ally in anti-racism. And Greg Backstrom, who's the chef of Maison Yaki and, and Olmstead, who's, you know, an, literally a former Eagle Scout and has done all kinds of interesting things during, you know, during COVID to help his restaurant survive, just posted that if you're a Black entrepreneur, here's my space. I'm going to work with you to open a a, a pop-up restaurant. And I thought that was really interesting. So the way that I found this opportunity was similarly uh, through Instagram. Uh, I don't, I think somebody even tagged me on it and I looked at it and I was sort of like, okay, I'm going to do that. And it was funny. I had spoken to my agency and they were like, do you want to do that? Like, that sounds like a lot of work. And I was like, yeah. 
And then I was like, no, I should do this. Like, this is my neighborhood. I've eaten at Olmsted. Um, I hadn't been to Mezanyaki, but um, I don't live very far from the restaurants. Um, and I, I love Vanderbilt, the street that it's on. So it was sort of, and, and it's always been like out of reach, you know, price point wise. Like I drive on Vanderbilt every day coming home from work. And um, it was always sort of like a fantasy zone to kind of like sell my wares in. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do this. But the, I, I think, you know, there was a lot of, um, I, in the context of, you know, sort of like white people, allies, et cetera, sort of mm, joining in this movement like Grant did where he offered up Maison Yaki for this pop-up series. Like I personally had to process a lot around, um, just a lot of feelings around like, what does it mean to take this opportunity? And like, who, what is the message that I'm sending by engaging in this opportunity? And like, what does it mean to me? And what does it mean to the bottom line of my business? And what does it mean on a spiritual level and all these things? And obviously like working through those things mentally was an ongoing process that happened during it and before it. And um, I'm, I'm quite glad I took the opportunity. Um, but yeah, that's how I came into the, that was the question, right? How did you, how did you find the opportunity? That was the question. Yeah. But I'm glad you brought up this idea of all this kind of personal, spiritual, metaphysical, societal, cultural work. It's such a, it's such, you know, it's, it's like nothing's an easy yes or an easy no right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that nothing's an easy yes or no right now for everyone for different reasons around the same reason like it's all the same conversation it's just different you know people standing on different sides of the street or you know some people get to stand on the street corner and kind of see down different sides of the street or what have you um but you know i i think that for for white people it probably is a situation where they don't want to say or do the wrong thing or you know um come off in a certain way or or you know have some sort of like racism inadvertently revealed through you know some action that's unintended and for for me for as a black woman like my experience was like okay like what is you know i in intracommunal conversation, like coin this term, like white guilt guap. And it was like when this, when the, the Black Lives Matter movement, which has been a very long standing movement, sort of like swelled in collective consciousness. Um, so did money into my business checking account. People were just like ordering all these things and, um, you know, reconciling what does that mean and what does it mean to me and what does it say about about like all that stuff like it was it was a process yes um, and, it, and it's still a process i mean we're we're, we're still like in the in the white hot beginnings of this moment right Hope, hopefully i mean yeah. it's 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 a movement that has been around and and doing good work in communities for a very long time and i think that now it's sort of like gone out to like a wider audience, right? And like new different things are happening within the context of people spending their lives and their energy and their focus and on growing the movement in the United States around, you know, black people being seen as human beings and sort of like also like in the context of the pop-up, like 
it can be sort of like this concept around reparations, right? Like that's like a little bit more specific of the context of this. And I think that, um, you know, I think that, you know, in terms of like the nuts and bolts of the pop-up, like it really was just like, you come, you, and I, it, it, he was very much like choose your own adventure. Like I, he had opened it very much to people who were like food entrepreneurs that didn't necessarily, like if you had a side hustle, like a, my, my friend hero, Diane, she has a side hustle. She sells um, like cake, you know, dulce de leche cake. And it's very like side hustle. And um, like, if she wanted to do it, he would have just met her where she was at. I personally have a lot of experience with like catering events, running retail, like food establishments in New York City. Like I was very like, okay, I don't like, I'm good. I got vendors, I got this, da, 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 da. I know how to produce events, like I'm good. But he very much was like, all you would need to do is like come with a concept. I'll help you develop or not as much as you need. All costs are covered of like, quarters and rent and linens and like all that stuff it was really just like ingredient like cover cost of ingredients through the sales and then everything else is like your profit and he like hustled for sponsors he hustled for press he hustled for all these things and it was this very like wonderful generous gesture of like here is a form of reparations um that that i can easily execute with this like privilege of this resource that i have that's going to follow in the context of you know uh, the coronavirus pandemic which is mezanyaki the restaurant which was just closed um, how how fast can you guys tell that somebody like greg has legit intentions well i want to revisit something that uh both of you were discussing about how people are processing this moment and I think the positivity, uh, the positive point that's being made is we need to be considerate. For so long, we haven't been considering others as ourselves. And I think what this movement gives us the opportunity to do is to kind of step back and think about things um, from a different perspective, from a different point of view, and assess how considerate we actually are being towards one another um you know i i to go to your question about assessing if he's you know being a, a fair trader or a fair broker i don't i that that didn't come into my equation um uh as far as whether or not to trust anybody or not uh, when I met Greg, we kind of vibed on a, a business level as well as on a human level. Um, but it's very, very clear that all of us are, all of us who are trying to participate in their own way in the Black Lives Matters movement is, is, is trying to be thoughtful and what they're, what they want to do to help and to be a part of it and to continue the movement moving forward. And that's the real positive inertia. Nobody's going to get it right all of the time. And to be honest, I don't believe anybody comes into any situation with 100% saint-like motives, values, or whatever. I think that's kind of foolish for us to think that we would approach something like this. I'm happy to be a part of the movement. I'm happy to be featuring the type of food uh, uh, that I'm cooking, but I'm also happy that the, the pop-up is generating revenue. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I know that if we're being thoughtful 
and we are constantly engaging with people who aren't like ourselves, looking at things from their perspective and their point of view and trying to come together around this movement, around a meal, around a particular business. Only positive things can happen if you're open-minded and you're willing to see things from another person's perspective. And that's kind of my goal in participating in this entire movement. And also, I think that's the goal uh, overall of, if I can speak for them, the Black Lives Matters movement. It's, hey, look, you know, our lives matters too. Look at things from our perspective and, 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 and feel our pain and feel our experience. And the more people from all different walks of life can look at things from the other side of the street, as was spoken about earlier, I think the more positive uh, the change will be and the, more, the longer lasting the effects of the movement will happen. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, for me, I don't, you know, I, I'm a New Yorker and I, I can kind of like read bullshit from a mile away. I don't know if you curse. I'm a kitchen person. Sorry. You can curse on your on your on your podcast. We're um, not censoring anyone. Let it fly. Fabulous. I you know I don't know. I just I kind of was like I also have a lot of confidence in like I can just I can deal with bullshit people. Like I don't it's I don't want to deal with bullshit people, but I can like I can spot it and I can deal with it. And like, I don't think Greg's a bullshit person. I think he's a white guy from Chicago with a good heart. Um, I think that that his impulse was a good and right one. I think that it was, it's opening a conversation. It's giving people a platform to make money. Um, you know, it's, I, access to cash is, um, kind of like the main hurdle for for most people that I know who want to own restaurants or you know food retail establishments that do not um and on, obviously like the history of this country is you know when you look at the data it's very very clear that intergen intergenerational wealth has been you know completely robbed from black americans since you know got so you know having the opportunity to you know be in a space that you know, the space of Maze and Yaki, it's like, I don't know how much he pays for rent, but if he was like, if he turned around and said, okay, the rent for Maze and Yaki is 10K a month, I'd be like, okay, I believe that. You know, so to be in a space like that and to to have an opportunity to show, um, you know, what my food is and that, um, you know, just just be in a space and to be and to, to, to just demonstrate and, be about, you know, black people aren't a monolith. I very purposely designed my menu around um, kind of like taking up space in the wellness space. Like my pop-up, my menu was entirely gluten-free and vegan. I do happen to be gluten-free. I'm not vegan. Um, I wanted to be about representing black chefs, women in the wellness space, women and femmes. And there there are so, like I know more black vegans than probably most people know vegans. And to be able to actually turn around and say like, okay, this is this is what this pop-up is. Like, um, you know, let me take up this space and have these conversations and people being like, oh, are you vegan? You know, and like, and having this conversation around like, no, I'm not. Like, this is what it means to be a black person in the wellness space, like, et cetera. 
Um, being able to just have that conversation for two weeks with people that I don't know, like white folks, black folks in the neighborhood, like everybody, um, that was an, that was like, I don't think that everyone can be everything at all times for all people. And like, that was just like my space that I was in within the context of this pop-up and within the context of my menu. So that felt great. And I also just like had people around, like all these black women and femmes that are in my community literally just like showed up and like spent time. And we literally spent time. I used it almost like as a salon where like, my homegirls would come through and we would talk about the business plans that they're working on and like what they're doing during Corona. Like it gave them an, it gave people, my people specifically like an opportunity to gather and come and be by me. And we talked about, you know, we networked, we sent emails of like, Oh, you need this lawyer. Oh, you need this. Oh, you need this person to help you work on this business plan. Oh, you need this. Like, and just talked about like had an intercommunal conversation around like, business and reparations and allyship and money and what does it mean when you get an opportunity inside of a conversation like this and all of those things like that's what that's what the space was very much like during the pop-up like i'd have like my friends over talking about these things and um you know and getting to to feel getting to feel good in that space together and supporting each other and and spending money and spending money and supporting like black lives matter like this black lives matter my black business matters like spend money buy things <laughs> so that you know that was i feel like i veered so far from your question i don't know if that makes me a good guest or a bad guest but that's bad on that I, I think you're, I, th I think you're great. And I love everything you're saying. <laughs> Your pop-up was a sensation. I mean, it, it dominated my social media feed for, for, <laughs> di for days and days. I mean, everybody, everybody, everybody was there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the only person I know who didn't get one of those pop tarts. We can talk about a pop tart. Uh, I'm also <laughs> going to do a, I'm going to do a little how to video about the pop tarts. That's I'm actually shooting that tomorrow, the 28th of July. And it should be, by the time this comes out, well, you said Friday. I don't know if it'll be out by the time this is out, but shortly thereafter. It's a very, very, very simple recipe. And maybe we can talk about sending you some Pop-Tarts in the mail. A, a source tells me that Jared's daughter was a big fan of your chocolate cake. <gasps> yeah, it's this good. My stuff's good, man. <laughs> My stuff's good. She was sitting good. at the bar in Mason Yaki uh, housing the, the chocolate cake. So, uh, yeah. Kudos for that. I mean, Thank you. there's nothing, uh, you know, vegan tasting, so to speak, about that chocolate cake. It was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Can you tell me about the the BLT collard green wrap? I can. Um, so obviously, like, like my daddy's from the South and they grow collards down there. My uncle grows collards. He sells them. He makes a lot of money doing it, too. He has like a little, like a... I don't want to call it a hobby farm, but he has a small hold where he's in this in-between space with like American farmers where he's like not so big that he's like a real like industrial farm at all, but it's small enough. Like he makes, he makes a lot of money like doing what he does. He grows. And my people have lived in the, are from the South and have like grown and fed the community. But like collards are obviously like a very big part of like black American, black Southern American, like food. Um, and I love collards and Lancaster farms got some beautiful ones and small hold mushrooms. Um, I use those. So it was basically, um, 
some mushroom bacon, some savory, like mixed market mushrooms, whatever was on offer uh, with cannellini beans, a little garlic, a little salt, a little cumin, and then some heirloom tomatoes, market lettuce, veganaise, and then it's just all wrapped up like a little burrito. It's so beautiful. And it's super sturdy, super great for the, I mean, I designed it, it's high summer in New York and it's like picnic, summer, sturdy, filling, savory, healthful, delicious. Everything was vegan and gluten-free and, and also just like high and like mushrooms are great for supporting your immune system. So are greens. Um, you know, the, obviously the tomatoes are super high in vitamin C. Like it was all thinking around like we're quarantining. What do we want? What do we need? We need like immune supportive food. We need beautiful food. We need grounding food that is like of the earth and we needed to go. Ain't no, like I was like, y'all can go. Nobody's saying <laughs> like, here's a box. I love you. Goodbye. I know. I mean, I'm I'm not hoping for another pandemic or an extension of of this one any any further than it needs to go. But at, yeah, at least I have. Ourselves. Yeah, at least there's some solace in knowing that you know these brilliant chefs have thought of all these amazing things that we can eat during this time. So that's that's cool. One thing I'm curious about, Lonnie, we know you know a, a bit about you. You're on the cover of of magazines. There was that great cherry bomb feature. You know, Brutus Bake Shop is is a name people know. Jared Howard, this is your, you know, your introduction to the public as as a chef for the most part. You know, when you Honey Bunny's Chicken social media is just starting up, this is really week one. If you Google Chef Jared Howard, there there isn't that much out there. Uh, I don't know very many people who have as little of a online presence as you do, which makes me think um, you were in the CIA before this. Um, who are you, man? What do we need to know about you? <laughs> Okay. Uh, wow. That's an interesting question. Um, not exactly the CIA, no. Um, but uh, no, I, I was, <laughs> I had a, um, Wait for I, grew it. In <laughs> I grew up in Maryland. Uh, oh, did Greg tell you? No. Oh, oh, let's I, see. I, I, I grew up in Maryland. I'm listening, I grew up in Maryland. I got, you know, my parents, my father, you know, I had this, these two ideas, these two examples of black excellence growing up. My dad was all about starting small businesses to help out the community. And my mom was all about working for a large corporation and kind of, kind of climbing the corporate ladder. And so I watched both of them succeed at, at, at those two models of excellence. And so I started off well, my mom's path, I, I graduated from college and I immediately got a job working for the federal government. And uh, they were the ones who actually transferred me here to New York. And um, the more time I spent in New York, um, the more time I, I, I began to, I would say, explore different communities um, of color within New York, you know, Flushing, Harlem different parts of Brooklyn, um, the Upper West Side, the Upper East Side, the more and more this whole entrepreneurial gene that I saw my father um, doing uh, throughout my childhood began to take a toll. And so one day I was having a conversation with a friend and I was talking about food. Um, we had just had this uh, red snapper uh, we were actually in Barbados, and I said, you know, if I could sell something like this in New York, it could make a lot of money. And she basically said, well, why don't you work in the kitchen? So uh, a week after we got back from the flight, 
I went to a restaurant that I really loved and respected the food. And I asked the chef for a job working for free uh, part time at night. And that was uh, Chef JJ. And he uh, said, yeah, come on back. Come next week. And I was there for a year and a half working weekends. Uh, and at, at, at the Cecil, at, at the Cecil or at, or at Henry's or which one? Yeah, it was Cecil. It was uh-huh. Cecil up cool. in, uh, up in Harlem. And, um, and, and from there he introduced me to, uh, the chef de cuisine at ba- Gotham bar and grill. And I did that for another six months to a year. Um, just learning what a kitchen is about. And then from there I got into, I, I was at a, um, a food event. Um, it was edible schoolyard and I was helping out for free at a schoolyard event. And I ran in, uh, to chef Eli, um, from per se, and I begged him for a free job <laughs> and, uh, he gave it to me and I was at per se for three months. Um, and then I begged my way into Bouchon <laughs> and I was at Bouchon for another three months. And then I was talking to a friend of mine in the industry. Um, his name was Will. And he was saying like, dude, what are you doing? You know, um, you're, 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 four, you're almost 40 years old and you're, you're sodging at restaurants for fun. Why don't you just open one? And to me, that was like a life changing kind of event for me because I had up to that point, I had never thought about opening my own restaurant. As Lonnie was saying earlier, the, the amount of capital to open a restaurant in New York city is just extremely high. Um, and it's an extremely risky, uh, business venture. And, but when he said it, he had opened a number of restaurants throughout the New York city area. That's when I began to come up with the concept of uh, Honey Bunny's Chicken. And so I have been working on the concept for about a year and a half. And there was an opportunity um, to offer my food for free to hospital workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I had been uh, furloughed from my job as a, a cybersecurity uh, project manager. And I said, all right, well, I'll just volunteer some time until uh, the pandemic ends, which, you know, obviously um, is still going on. Um, but I got such great feedback on my food that when this opportunity from Greg presented itself, I, I, I reached out to Chef JJ and, and jumped on the opportunity. And um, I, I appreciate, you know, the fact that, you know, I've been given this opportunity and it's, it's, it's been an interesting ride. This is the first time I, I have quote unquote, run a food business. Um, This is the first time I've run a kitchen. (laughs) This is the first time I, yeah, that that I've ever had my menu featured. Um, And so the learning curve has been steep. Um, I'm still learning the social media part of this thing, Uh, as well as just how to the, the ins and outs of running a restaurant. And so I'm very, very appreciative of all the help and the insight that I've been receiving uh, thus far. And it is definitely a trial by fire. I've never gone to culinary school, don't plan on it. Um, it's just been a, a fun ride. So you did all those that's, stages that's while... Story. It is a great story. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you did all those stages while working another job. Yes. Yes. So you, you, you'd you work all day doing something in cybersecurity, either privately or through a federal agency. And then you'd yep. go put on some kitchen gear and do whatever Chef said. Yep. 
pretty much. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Whatever event he was uh, uh, hosting, I would do. If there wasn't an event, I would do night services, evening service shifts. Um, you know, uh, funny story. Chef told me to go downtown to this uh, high-end knife store, um, uh, Corinne, which is a Japanese knife store. And he told me, go down there and pick up a knife. I'm tired of you borrowing everybody's knife when you showed up. I didn't even know how to hold a knife uh, <laughs> until I started sizing at a Cecil properly. So I go down there and they talked me into buying like a $700 knife. <laughs> So I come back and I'm showing off this $700 knife and the whole kitchen is just laughing their ass off. Uh, they think it's the funniest thing that I got taken for the $700 knife. And um, it's something we laugh about to this day, but um, I was just there to learn. Um, I wasn't even the fastest guy on the line because I was too busy paying attention to what the other guy was doing that I would burn something on the line. Um, but everybody was um, super patient. It probably helped that I was working for free <laughs> um, or I probably would have got fired a long time ago, but uh, just kept learning and growing and learning the craft. And um, like I said, at night, they would ask me, they would ask me to do things during service, like um, do a chef and I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> So I wait for the chef to leave and I would ask the person next to me online, yeah, what's the chef and odd? <laughs> um, or yeah, go ahead and puree this so-and-so and then make a so-and-so sauce. I would be uh, taking the train home and I would have to Google what type of sauce this was and how to do it. It was one of those type of things um, because for me, um, education, the best education is the world, right? Uh, the world is the best classroom. So I didn't want to spend $50,000, $80,000 going to culinary school when I knew that if I was willing to work for free, I can go and work at some of the best restaurants in the world. And so that's what I was doing for like I two, tell people years. that all the time, chef. I do. I tell people that all yeah. the time. Like go go stage. Yeah, go stage yeah. if you can. Like it, it's not? a point of privilege to be able to afford to do that. But I yeah. people ask because I went to pastry school but I don't recommend it per se, if that makes sense. But like exactly as you're saying, it's like ha have someone at least like don't pay for it. Like have someone either pay you to learn or learn for free. Like on balance, you're still like up, right? Um, how, many years, that, right? how many years of, of staging did you do? When did you start? Uh, it was like three and a half years. Two, yeah, about three maybe three and a half years of just staging and, and going around and hanging out, um, met some amazing chefs <laughs> along the way. And it would be something along the lines of, I would get a call and say, Hey, Jared, chef, so-and-so's in town. He's doing a pop-up restaurant. Are you doing anything this weekend? Huh. Yeah, so sure. Your, your name got around. Hmm? Your name got around. People, people knew you were good. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know how good I was, but I was definitely free. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's how, that's how I learned. And every time I worked for a chef, I would try and learn something different. Uh, I would try and learn something new and it was interesting. Uh, I learned from like one chef, you know, the way she saw food. I mean, she would build her menu based on the guest experience. It was very, you know, if you're a computer person, it was very like experiential design type stuff. And so when she would talk about building her taco, she would imagine how it would be to taste it. 
So she was like, oh, I want to start off fresh. And then I wanted to finish. She would build the taco and she would draw pictures. Um, I learned from, you know, per se, what it means to really run a brigade. And it's the, the precision of everything um, that they did in, in that restaurant and how everything had to be perfect was amazing. Um, while I was at Gotham Bar and Grill, um, you know, the first station they always put me on was Garmagee Station, which is basically cold salads and starters. So I wouldn't like undercook the fish. Um, and, you know, the amount of time uh, that Chef Portal put into making every plate beautiful, <laughs> you know, these elaborate stacks of food and the way everything was placed was just amazing. From Chef JJ, I learned about international flavors. Um, he was, he's just this master of like fusing African and Pan-African flavors into something that's beautiful and different and yet at the same time familiar. It's, it's just so much information and I just enjoyed the learning process of it all um, that, you know, it, it, at the end of, of that period, and I'm still willing to size, you know, any chef out there, you know, if, if, you're, if you're banging out good food and you need an extra pair of hands, I'll do a shift, I'll do 10 shifts. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but it's just an amazing opportunity to just learn and grow. The, the food industry is, is such an interesting place because even though it's very hierarchical and there's borders and there's closed doors and there's access to capital issues, it's also very democratic in the sense that they'll take anybody, almost, if they'll take me, they'll take anybody at the ground level. And you can learn so much if you're willing to put in the time and, and, and learn and watch and see what's happening. Now, it's a great privilege for me to be able to work for free while I had this day job, don't get me wrong about that. Not everybody can do that. But if you have the opportunity to do that and you want to do something like that, even if it's if you want to know if the industry is right for you, I encourage everybody out there to take it. I, I am curious which uh, which of our federal agencies have, uh, you know, helped forge the path of this this great chef that we're now meeting. I don't know about great chefs, but if I reveal that agency, I might not have a job at the end of uh, this COVID uh, situation that we're in. But uh, are you still? So but, you're uh, still you're still working that job. I can technically get called back. Let's call it that way. Okay. At any time at oh, that yes. particular job. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But no, I, 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 I took a break from that job and I started doing, like I said, cybersecurity contract work for, um, for, for various organizations in New York City. Those organizations have to also be confidential as well. But um, it's been an interesting ride. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't get to talk uh, to, I, I think, you know, ex-federal agents, cybersecurity experts very often. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, oh, I'm very, maybe, I'm very Maybe you do. Maybe you do. You maybe I do all the time. Maybe you all, maybe you all <laughs> right. are. Maybe you maybe, do. Maybe, you maybe Agent Halliday. Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe the whole, the whole, the whole world. You, you didn't ask me about my previous work history, so you don't even know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not, that's not my path. <laughs> my path. Believable, though. Believable. Lonnie, tell me about the, the next steps for Brutus Bake Shop and, and what, what your plan is going forward oh, and how, how you're going to maybe use the momentum of this pop-up to your advantage. Yeah. So, I mean, I got reviewed by Pete Wells. Well, 
uh, New York Times, like main food restaurant reviewer, he said he joined the cult of people who are in love with my cookies. So that's like amazing. Yeah. Um, my next move actually is probably going to come in the next month or two. I'm going to be opening what I'm referring to in this moment as a permanent pop-up um, in Fort Greene. Uh, if you follow me on social media at Lonnie Halliday on Instagram or look on my website, LonnieHalliday.com you can sort of follow along with like all the details. It's kind of in process right now. We've got a lease that's kind of going back and forth between lawyers and things like that. So that is happening August or September. I'm going to open a retail space. It's going to be myself and another chef, pastry chef. Um, and uh, there's going to be, say, it's like a bakery cafe. Um, everything that I did pastry wise for the pop-up will 100% be available there. So People who had all that stuff can like get their pop tarts and their cookies and the chocolate cake and um, the jam bars and all that stuff. Um, and then there, I'll I'll offer some other things like probably um, a savory vegan hand pie and um, some other more like substantial offerings. And then I did a coffee slushy cocktail. I'm gonna do a coffee slushy in that space that's like non boozy, but that'll be on Myrtle Ave is what it's looking like right now, right near Fort Green Park. In love Brooklyn, it. New York. Like, that's yeah. great. Those will be great, great, great additions to the neighborhood and to New York. Yeah. It's exciting. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, Agent Howard, what's up with Honey Bunny's Chicken this week? Plug your menu. Tell us what we can expect. What kind of food people are getting, loving, and how it's going so far? Oh, it's going great. Um, the, the food, uh, uh, I, it's been described as Southern comfort food, but you know, Maryland is not really kind of the South. It's kind of, kind of North, kind of South. My mom's from Pennsylvania. My father is from North Carolina. So I just call it comfort food. I feature a, a fried chicken biscuit that, that so far I've gotten very, very good reviews on, but there's also, uh, fried chicken with uh, North Carolina Piedmont sauce. There's also a, um, a, a vegetarian uh, poor boy sandwich using oyster I hear the, mushrooms. I hear that that is the, the secret squirrel route. Like I, I've been, that, like, people have been popping off to me about, can you get me one of those? I'm mm -hmm. like, what are you talking, go get one, go support <laughs> this man. Come, come, come and get them. Come and get them while they're good. There's salt. Uh, there's Old Bay and vinegar waffle chips as well. Um, we're having a good time. I have another week, so please come out and support. Uh, evenings from uh, 5.30 until 9 o'clock, and then we have extended hours Saturday and Sunday uh, from 1 to 3. Uh, Olmstead has helped out, helped me create a great drinks menu as well. We have a watermelon uh, rosé slushy that is that is selling nicely we also have a maker's mule celsi um made with house brewed ginger beer um that is really really good so please come out and support we're also sponsored 626 by vanderbilt. Uh, 626 vanderbilt you. You. i i'm i'm I like the worst interrupter by the way you're shit like you no, should have done this with all me because i interrupt <laughs> but like 626 vanderbilt in brooklyn right you guys tell them where it is so they can come to you yes. yeah you're right yeah. no i'm learning See, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm i'm sodging right now uh, yes so here's that this was the vanderbilt. part so how we set it up how we set it up and we're supposed to knock it down it's like you got to tell us your social handles you got to tell us your website oh. you got to tell us like the quick and dirty of like the how what where why 
I didn't also mention that you can buy my cookies online at LonnieHalliday.com. See what I did there? there I just it is. Do it right back oh, 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 oh. But like, think so. Yes. Plug, plug. <laughs> this is the moment. <laughs> Jared. This is the moment. Jared, what's the, the, the future play for, for uh, Honey Bunny's chicken? Are you looking for investors? Are you wanting it to be a permanent thing? What's, what's the dream? Look, I am, I'm always looking for investors. Investors are great. Wonderful. If you're an investor, invest in me, invest in Lonnie. Black Lives Matter, so do black businesses. After 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 this pop-up at Mason Yaki, um, I am actually looking to do a, a virtual space, uh, do a virtual restaurant deal. I think that right now, with the consideration uh, with, with COVID-19 happening at the, at the rate that it's happening, um, I would like to offer my menu uh, to people um, through Grubhub, Media, Seamless, and so on and so forth. So I'm in, con- I'm in talks with various cloud kitchens around the city. So look out for me. I'm going to update you on social media. Once I find a permanent home at one of these commercial kitchens, I will be available for delivery, hopefully in Brooklyn and in parts of Manhattan soon. Love it. Hey, our show's called Takeaway Only. Lonnie, what's your big takeaway from living through this this moment? COVID, Black Lives Matter, pop-ups. Um, honestly, it's like super personal. And I guess um I guess the most personal is the most universal. So I think that for me, um my main takeaway is to trust myself, to ask for support, um, to give myself space and that for me personally, as a black woman, like I don't have to fix the world's problems. Like that, that un contrary to what I've internalized, like that isn't in fact my job. And that caring for myself and caring for my team and creating a life beyond my wildest dreams that includes a work culture that reflects my personal beliefs and the integrity that I hold in my life is. Um, it's a way to like be about black lives mattering and to to have that be how my life is a living example of this like movement that's my hot take personally thank you thank you jared what's what's your big takeaway from living through this moment mm, um be ready for the opportunity when it comes because it might only come once Look, I, you know, I've been stodging in the basement of, you know, uh, we've been talking about in the basement of these uh, great restaurants all over the city. I had no idea that this opportunity would take place. I had no idea three, four years ago when I started that the Black Lives Matter movement would be taking off in such a way that I would have this opportunity for one of the best chefs in the, in the, in the city to offer me this amazing space. I had no idea that uh, the food that has been, uh, that, that, that I offered had been received so well. Just be ready for the opportunity. If I hadn't put in all that work in my own kitchen, experimenting uh, anonymously, uh, I would not be able to take advantage of, of what's happening here. So for anybody out there uh, that's listening, if you have a dream, if you have an idea, work on it, work on it in the quiet at night. And then when you see the opportunity to offer it, be ready and take full advantage of that opportunity um, because it can take you to places that you would have never thought you'd be able to go. Mm, that's beautiful. 
It is. Lonnie Holiday, Jared Howard, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it thank and appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us so much. Thank you for supporting black businesses. Thank you for supporting me and Lonnie. Uh, Just, you know, continue the conversation. We know you're listening. We we love you, Greg. Yeah, Greg's out there somewhere. He's he's doing good things. Uh, And uh, continue the movement. Um, we, we, We can make a better world if all of us just keep moving, keep pushing forward. Wise words. Thank you both. Bye. Thank you, guys. That was Lonnie Holiday and Jared Howard. You can follow Lonnie on Instagram at Lonnie Halliday, and you can follow Jared at Honey Bunny's Chicken. Learn more about the Black Entrepreneur Series at Maison Yaki through their Instagram at Maison Yaki. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at B-Poles. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Greg Backstrom, Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, and Raphael Weil. We're back next week. This is Takeaway Only. Takeaway Only.